दिस इज एपिसोड नंबर फोर्टी नाइन ऑफ दी इंस्पायरिंग टॉक दी बेस्ट ऑफ दी इंस्पायरिंग टॉक पॉडकास्ट Welcome guys to the inspiring talk. My name is Vijay Gautam. I am host for this show. Each week I interview today's most successful and inspiring personalities to help you realize your inner potential. Welcome guys to yet another episode of the Inspiring Talk podcast. Since we are celebrating 1 year of the Inspiring Talk podcast, on this episode i'm presenting you the best of the inspiring talk these are sort of clips of particular questions that i have asked to the guest of this podcast throughout the year and found the answers that are interesting and very useful so sit back and enjoy the best of the inspiring talk and you will learn from mindset to mentors to making money and failures and lot more So let's get started. The first one is from episode number 5 where best-selling author of the book Unveil the Incredible You Manish Farasi talks about creating long-lasting change. We often start some habit with huge motivation but eventually we give up on that. Manish shares his insights on how we can create this long lasting change and also about forming a stronger belief system here we go many a times you know change doesn't last longer people tend to fall back into their own habits after few days or maybe even months uh, why change so hard is is there a way that one can build lasting permanent change yeah so vijay one thing which has worked in favor is that the latest research in neurosciences shown that our brain is plastic this has busted the age old myth that our personality cannot change beyond age our habits cannot be changed because they get very uh, strongly programmed in our mind but this latest research says that you can change at any point in time hmm. now the key for a lasting change is repetition now things will not happen that if you do it once it will get stationed because habits how are habits formed in a brain it's like let's say if you uh, there is a grass there is a let's say uh, assume there is a field full of grass mm. and if you start walking on a certain path continuously for many days you will see that the grass gets vanished from there and, and the path, path is, is formed yep path is formed so if you daily walk on that path it it, it it's, the path gets formed similar is the structure with our brain that if you repeat something which you want to uh, get to then it forms those strong neural pathways in your brain and yeah. that becomes uh, automatic so your behavior becomes automatic and now the key for that is that you should start very small now the like habits like if you say that i want to build my body uh, from next day and you say i will exercise for one hour now it it becomes very you need a very strong will power because that habit is ingrained instead you say that i will do just two push ups from tomorrow so you don't need any will power for that Hmm. you may start you will say okay it's two push ups you will end up doing 10 20 similarly if you want to become an author don't say i will write 10 pages from tomorrow just say i will write 50 words from tomorrow or 20 words it doesn't need any will power so that's how you start building your small small habits which which you want let's say you want to uh, reach a certain personality you want to develop certain habits so start very small so that you don't need enough will power and as you repeat 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 your pathways in your brain get stronger and your change which you want to bring it to yourself 
also get stronger so i would say repetition and starting small are the keys for a lasting change starting small and repeating that's a great insight out there uh, i have also faced uh, the same kind of problem in my life as well that you know i have not been able to keep up with the habits that i would love uh, keeping with myself and i want i would love continuing those habits be it exercising be it writing or be it creating content out there starting small has always worked for me because if i think of you know starting something big and finishing everything at one time it not only overwhelms me but also uh, you know prompt me to quit that as as soon as possible because you know each one of us uh, are frightened of change and we don't want to bring change in our life um you also talk about choosing empowering beliefs in your new book unveil the incredible you what role does having a strong belief or negative belief have in one's success or failure uh, you can give some examples if you have, if you can think of them now yeah sure actually beliefs are the real foundations because beliefs drive your actions so let's say if i have a belief that i cannot become a good writer let's say if that is the belief what will it trigger let's say i don't believe i can be a writer i will never even attempt becoming a writer or i believe that i cannot be a good speaker i cannot i always lose confidence when i am talking to people so i would never even try so this is how beliefs uh, actually govern your day to day behavior because beliefs result in action and action give you results and if your results are bad they just reinforce that belief let's say if you say that you have a belief that i am a very bad speaker i cannot speak in front of a crowd so let's say even if you get an opportunity some day you that is always running in your mind is oh i am not a good speaker i am not a good speaker and when you actually so you are going to avoid yeah that. and when you even if you don't avoid you are asked to speak the your performance will be bad because you are nervous you are thinking i can't speak so what happens your result is bad then it reinforces that belief so on the other hand if you have a belief that yeah first thing is just start question what is the basis of that belief because you will find that 95% of these limiting beliefs had a reason which was outside of you it was either your elders who told you your teachers your parents your environment so it was not something which you have experienced yourself it is what the environment your conditioning has forced upon in your mind so that is the basis of forming those beliefs there is an example of uh, uh, if you have seen a big elephant if you see in a zoo they are tied with a small rope and the, you will find that why is the elephant not breaking that rope and running away but the reason is when that elephant was a small baby it was tied with a strong iron chains in its leg and whenever it tried to escape it got hurt so the belief which got ingrained in the elephant's mind was no no there is no point in attempt i cannot free myself so over a period of time even when they reduced that to a small rope the elephant doesn't even attempt so mm. a limiting belief leads to inaction and inaction is the biggest enemy of achievement that was pretty good insights from manish farasi on episode 7 i had conversation with digital entrepreneur kiruba sankar i have asked him what stops most people from jumping into the world of entrepreneurship here's his reply i think just the insecurity um you know it's it's almost like jumping into the deep end of a swimming pool the fear is always oh my goodness what if i drown mm. um but 99% of the people they jump in they will find a way to stay afloat um and they will learn to learn uh, swimming very quickly 
So same thing with life. I think it is just that uncertainty. Um, plus, um, you know, working for a job and getting a regular salary also puts you in a state of lull, in a state of comfort. Mm-hmm. When you're already, um, when you have that comfortable life, then why would you want to get into a life that is full of uncertainty, right? So I think that's what stops many people from uh, from taking the hard route. Is that the fear of failure or, you know, they are too afraid that what if I drown and fail? I think that's a... Uh, I also believe that, you know, that's uh, one thing uh, that stops people from taking actions. It's also the fear of, um, it's the fear of taboo. Mm-hmm. It's the fear of what others think. It's the fear of what the society will will make out of you. Um, so, you know, because India as a society actually comes very hard on failure. Uh, people look down upon people who fail. um so people don't want to be seen as as failure i think that's that's the greater intimidation for uh, people to step into entrepreneurship fear of taboo and fear of failure are two things most people are afraid of before taking the leap of faith into entrepreneurship next i had chitra jha author of the book the art and science of meditation she talks about managing the continuous inner chat within our head why you know do you think it is necessary to stop inner chatter that is going on on our head 24/7 and why it is necessary to do some serious uh, interrogation within ourselves so uh, today i don't even advocate stopping that chatter today my work is about understanding that chatter and i give this example all the time that say i have eaten something and you know something has got stuck between my teeth and my tongue will keep going there so my tongue is i cannot say now the tongue should not go there the tongue is only telling me that something is stuck here please take some action to remove it So similarly when i sit in meditation or i do any introspective practices and some thoughts come for me that mental chatter which comes is just kind of leading me into that this area of your life you know looks looking into it requires some deeper work there you know that is where so for me it is like earlier when i began meditation and the traditional way of meditation is that let the thoughts come let the thoughts go you just don't pay attention to them mm-hmm. right you just kind of let them come let them go let them come let them go and you are just observing so today i i call that passive meditation for me the active meditation is what i i do now is okay where is my mind leading me to what kind of thoughts are coming what needs more looking into mm-hmm. so i would rather go there and take action there so today my understanding is that like in a traditional system the understanding is i am not the body i am not the mind i am the spirit but today my understanding is that i i am also the body i am also the mind i am also the spirit and i so trust the design the human design that nothing is out of place nothing is you know which should not be there if it is there it has a purpose and i have to now look into that purpose so why these thoughts are coming what is their purpose where do they want me to pay attention to that is what it is how my work has become different from the traditional work 
बट अगेन यू नो देर आर सो मेनी थॉट्स कमिंग एट वन पर्टिकुलर टाइम सो डोंट यू थिंक इट्स सो हार्ड और मे बी इट्स अ टीडियस जॉब टू एड्रेस ऑल ऑफ दोज थॉट्स कमिंग इन आवर हेड एब्सोल्यूटली सो थॉट्स है पैटर्न सो यू नो लाइक आई वुड से दैट यू क्लोज योर आईज बट कीप पेन एंड पेपर नेक्स्ट टू यू and moment the thoughts come just write down the pattern you know just the theme of the thoughts again close your eyes again sit let some thoughts come write down the pattern and if you start doing that you will realize that initial thoughts are always about you know they are like surface thoughts surface things that you have to do there are your everyday activities or some chores that you have to do those are the thir- surface thoughts which will come first and if you have taken them out then the thoughts then you go deeper and some deeper thoughts will come you know some kind of concepts will come some kind of so like that you keep going deeper and finally the insights come the wisdom comes so but that can only happen i mean you right now when i'm saying this it's like theoretical mm-hmm. but when you do it and you realize that oh my god there is so much wisdom inside me you know when i have gone deeper into my thoughts so thoughts are not our enemies thoughts are just kind of telling me that right now i am so much on the surface that i i just you know need to handle so many things so i am on the surface but there is wisdom underneath but besides that even the surface thoughts you know it's not like that they are just there they are also telling me that i am kind of too stuck in too many things maybe i am too controlling maybe i am minding others business too much maybe so it's like it leads you into insights into your own nature your own psyche which is a huge wealth yeah i think understanding yourself and yes where so the thought yes it's a huge wealth and unless i understand that i cannot really you know settle down into the calm waters so there is a i would say a mismatch between you know the traditional ways because traditionally who sat in meditation not the householder the ascetic or the person the monks or people who have kind of renounced the world they sat in meditation traditionally the yogis for them that was like you know the way of life today or maybe for some uh, you know decades now we say the householder should also sit in meditation the householder should also calm their mind and that's perfectly fine but the thing is the householder also has many many things on his mind unlike the yogi or the monk or so those thoughts will be there so we cannot kind of say okay there should not be any thoughts on the day one itself so the understanding what kind of thoughts i think and kind of uh, you know looking at those thoughts as i i i call them is it my business or is it somebody else's business or is it god's business so if i put my thoughts on the table and i say okay if it is my business then i have to go deeper into this subject if it is somebody else's business i just have to leave this business that the person handle it and if it's god's business and i have to just completely trust that god is taking care of it so by looking at our thoughts in this manner as it is i've cut down so many thoughts that was pretty good insight 
Next one is from Akshay Nanavati, author of the book Fearvana. He talks about overcoming your fears. You have taken adventure sports as a therapy or you may like to call as a tool to overcome your fears and it seems to me mm-hmm. uh, all you are trying to do is push your limits and throw yourself into face of fears. Can you share some insights about throwing yourself into face of fears to overcome them? Yeah, you know, the more you do these things that that test your limitations, that push you outside your comfort zone, the more you grow in confidence, the more your mind, body, spirit enhances to the next stage of your personal evolution. You know, that's how you grow. That's how you find happiness. And that's why outdoor, I mean, it doesn't have to be you don't have to climb mountains in the Himalayas. You don't have to ski across a polar ice cap like I did, but find your path, you know, whatever it may be. That's my avenue for my growth. But as long as you push yourself beyond your own perceived limitations, that's when you grow. And that's ultimately also how you find happiness it's in that process of overcoming one challenge at a time because when you go through a moment where one party you wants to quit something the other wants to fight and you're uncomfortable and you're struggling and you're suffering and you rise above that that'll be the greatest moment you've ever experienced in your life and that's why i do these things because it's how i have the energy i have it's how i have the pa- the passion the fire the enthusiasm for life that i have today is because of doing these things and any confidence i might have today is because a result of having overcome one or mastered one fear at a time overcome one limitation at a time to keep growing to keep evolving into a better self than i was yesterday it's- it's pretty fascinating to see how uh, we can overcome to this kind of fears when we at least mm-hmm. at least you know start with them uh, even it is the smallest thing uh, that we do uh, for instance if uh, we uh, are struggling to have conversation with strangers and uh, we really are afraid to talk to them then you don't have to go and make a whole conversation just begin with saying hi or even uh, maybe just giving a smile and at least uh, do that and conquer that first and then go ahead about that i love that exactly you know i love the way that you put it you know like you want to take small risks at a time i wasn't somebody who always used to do these things in fact when i was a child i was terrified of like those big giant ferris wheels you know i was terrified of everything so wherever you're at you're in your life right now it's okay there's no right or wrong about it and just whatever your line of risk is just push it one step at a time there's no you know you don't have to go crazy if you're not able to run a marathon run one mile right whatever it may be the point is just work through your level of risk one step at a time and keep climbing that ladder just one tiny little step at a time hmm. so um and you talk about a method called LMNOP method to overcome fear mm-hmm. in your book would you please share in brief about this method sure so the method is to like essentially handle any emotion that might be coming in your way it can be fear as well so the first thing you do the l is label and language you label the emotion and that's as simple as saying okay i'm afraid or i'm anxious i'm stressed whatever it may be and neuroscience has shown when you label the emotion it reduces activity in the emotional parts of your brain and increases activity in the part of your brain related to focus and awareness so that way you can separate yourself from the emotion and decide what to do with it so that's l is label the second part of the l is language where you shift your body language you adopt a language of a body language of power so instead of slouching and feeling you know weak you stand tall feel powerful so l is label and language the next step is m ask yourself what is the meaning that's created x emotion where our brain is always finding meanings to things so you looking you're you're digging deep now to find what that meaning is the subconscious meaning that's that's kind of being automatically created afraid I'm falling but what is the meaning to the fear as well what's the meaning to the emotion because the, you might make the emotion mean that you're weak oh I'm afraid means I'm weak so you're asking yourself what is the meaning you're understanding that unconscious meaning the next step is the n 
N is where you say, this is not me. This is just my brain beyond my control. But I am not my brain, and my brain is not me. This is when you're separating yourself from what's happening in your brain and getting that higher level of awareness about who you are and, and deciding who you want to be ultimately. And then that brings to the next step, which is the O. O is you opt for a new meaning. This is when you create an empowering meaning to the event and the emotion, so you're not letting that old subconscious meaning dis defeat you and, and stop you from taking purposeful action in the face of this emotion that's holding you back. And finally, P is, is purpose and preemptive strikes. So purpose is where you take, a take an action in line with that higher purpose. So if you're standing on the edge of a cliff ready to go bungee jumping, it means leaping, right? That's the action to change your patterns from before. And preemptive strikes is when you preemptively prepare for obstacles you know will show up. So you plan ahead of time by writing down in detail, here's, okay, I know that at this time, if I, I know, for example, if I'm standing on my computer, I'm about to write my book, I know I'm going to get anxious. So I'm going to plan ahead of time for that. I'm going to sit down, I'm going to write for just 10 minutes the first time I do it, right? I'm going to do it at 5 p.m. So you're planning in detail how you're going to overcome the obstacle because you, you're prepared for it. You know it's going to show up. And studies have shown when you do that, it actually improves your chance of success by three times. So, uh, and that's what the LMNOP steps are. It's one of the most powerful tools I've created. It's been really helpful for people I work with as well as for me as well. So it's a, it's a really invaluable tool to help you master your fears and rise above them. <laughs> LMNOP method to overcome your fear is very powerful method. I love this. Next one is from Melissa Monty. She talks about navigating through difficult situations in your life. One thing that I want to know from you is about making a shift of mindset, right? So how can one start the mindset shift from being a victim of situation that they actually went and to, you know, actually thrive and grow even more stronger after that particular situation or that kind of particular obstacle that they face in their life? I think the most important thing to do is ownership. A lot of people want to place the blame and you know, it's very easy. For example, uh, I was raped. Obviously, I didn't ask for this. Mm -hmm. But but taking the ownership for what you can in your life, you may not have had ownership over, or you may not have been at fault for what happened to you, but you have complete responsibility for everything that happens after that. So if you allow that moment to break you and to hold you back from accomplishing what you're here to accomplish and from having a good life, then that ends up being on you and it's hard to accept. But once you do, everything can change for you because you realize that even if it's hard and even if there's a lot of healing to be done, it's your responsibility to do that. It's, it's up to you to take the first step and to kind of um, waddle through the swamp until you make it out into the sunshine. So I think just that level of ownership, taking responsibility for what you can and making a plan for what you would like your life to be. And then just take baby steps from that point on. Pick one little thing to do each day to move your, you towards your goal, even if the goal is just to be happy. Melissa, if you have to give a message to a 16 years old Melissa, so what would you want to say to that young teenage girl who was just having pretty good life? I think I would like to tell my younger self that 
it, this is one of my favorite books as well, but it, it, the title is so fitting. The obstacle is the way. I think that things happen in your life to be a mirror for the areas of growth that you need to, to go through. And so for me, I very much feel in line with my purpose just in helping people to come to these realizations about their own power. I don't know if I would have felt so strongly about it had I not gone through the things that I've gone through. And so, like you said earlier, how people like to say, why me? Hmm. I think I did that for quite a while. And I used that as an excuse for, for letting my life slip even further. Because I would say, well, it makes sense that I'm doing this. Look at all I've been through. And that is exactly the victim mentality. And it doesn't bring you any good. So the obstacle is the way. And to look at these things as an opportunity to grow instead of, instead of the rock that's going to bring me down. The upcoming clip is from my interview with serial entrepreneur Avelo Roy. He talks about what most millennials don't understand about starting a business. What do you think is the most millennials don't understand about entrepreneurship and what's your advice to them? Most millennials don't understand about the entrepreneurship is that they think they need investment to get started even. I, ha- I receive all the time emails like, I don't have money, my parents are not rich, how will I get started with business? And my mantra is, Start with zero money, grow with your clients' money, and scale with investor money. So starting, you almost always, unless you're building cars or spaceships, you don't need investment. If you're building an app or if you're building anything, you can just draw it out on a cardboard. You can make a video. You can make a 3D printout. All of that can be learned on YouTube. All of that, you can actually do it for free. You can make a WordPress website in literally two hours. It doesn't cost you much. Uh, anybody can afford it, right? Uh, you can even do it free. So starting with zero money, then do a validation. Build, okay, you have a big idea, but start small. Think big, start small, grow slow, then grow fast. You have a great idea that you want to change the world, fine. But start at a very small level that you can do with zero money. And then try to make money off of your customers. You know, see that validation when people swipe their credit card or they pay you, that's the validation that, okay, there is a need in the market for what you're selling. Then you test the business model. You figure out, okay, what is the best business model for this? And once you figure out a repeatable business model, then you transition from startup to a business. And that's when you scale. That's when you raise funds. If you bring in the investor too early on, first of all, you will not get the funding. This is not 2015. 2015 were throwing money at ideas. Today, people don't throw money at ideas. You got to show a proof of concept. So uh, even if somebody does you know, come early on, they'll take 60 to 80% of your company because you have no valuation unless you're making money. So first, make money, even if it is 25 rupees a day, if it is 100 rupees a day, make some money. Break down your big business, big idea into a small business, into a small idea. Start small, grow slow, make your mistakes, and then go to investor. After you've proven that, look, I've already made the mistakes. I'm not going to play with your money and use you as a guinea pig. 
I'm not here to make, you know, I will take care of your money and your money is only going to be built to, to grow. Your money is going to grow because investors think from their perspective. What are they here for? They putting money in fixed deposit. Yeah, you get six and a half percent, seven percent, not too much of a growth. Why are they putting in startups that are risky? Because it will grow by, they hope to, that it will grow by 100 percent, 200 percent, 1000 percent. So the more you can show them that, that this is how I will grow your money, your money is not spent for my experiments. Your money is being spent to grow in marketing and sales. That's when you get the investment. And that's where most millennials don't understand that, look, investors' money is not your money. So don't play with it. Take it seriously. They're not here to do charity. They're here to do business. So don't give out too much of your equity either. Don't let them treat you like an employee. If you bring them in too early, they're going to take over majority share in the company and you're going to be employed. And on the other hand, if you do whatever you can from friends, family and fools, you know, get a little bit of funding if you really need to and then go to an investor. They see that you've done your hard work, you've put your skin in the game, you've experimented already, you've made your mistakes. Now you're ready for it. And even if they want to steal your idea, they won't because you're already ahead of the game. Investing in you is better than stealing the idea and doing it himself, right? So, so they'll be like, okay, he's already six months ahead in the game. Let me just invest in him and help him out and be his partner rather than steal his idea and do it myself. So from every sense, it makes sense to start with zero money, grow with your client's money and scale with investor money. Salav Sahai, founder of iVolunteer, talks about why failures are important in your life and his personal failures. Now let's talk about the failures. So you also organized through your organization first pro bono fuck up night in India, right? So where you guys talk about failures and why is failures important? Number one, uh, in, in uh, everyone's life. And another is what are the biggest failures in your own life? So I think the failures are extremely important simply because we learn from failures. Uh, if you look at a little child, it is when the child falls that the child learns how to walk. It is not possible to learn how to walk or how to cycle unless you fall. It's the same with skills. It's the same with experiences. It's the same with finding uh, your own passion, your own rhythm when it comes to personal and professional life. So failure, I think, is extremely important to learn. The important element within failure is not to get bogged down by failure not to find faults in the environment, not to kind of have a defeatist approach, but actually look for the silver line, look for the learnings, look for what not to do next time, look for how to do better next time and find an opportunity that makes sense. So I think it is when we have the right attitude and we learn from our failures, that failures become a stepping ladder to success for us. So. Uh, that's where I think the failures are extremely important. Uh, when I look at my own journey, I think um, uh, there are, you know, small and large failures. Um, but if I were to go back, really back, um, when I finished my school, standard 12th, I was pretty good at, at studies and academics. And uh, I had, again, just like most of the typical Indians, I had a one-track mind of becoming an engineer because I was good in mathematics and physics. Everybody around me, my schoolmates, my teachers, my family expected me to become an engineer. As luck would have it, my 11th and 12th were in an army school, an army public school. And uh, most of my friends and batchmates 
were appearing for the National Defense Academy examination and actually appeared for that examination. And uh, incidentally, this was again accidental, which is why my belief is uh, so much an accident. So I, I got selected to become an Air Force cadet at the National Defense Academy. And I joined the National Defense Academy as an Air Force cadet because of which I didn't appear for the engineering examinations. But as luck would have it, I think after uh, one and a half years, uh, I suffered some uh, dislocation uh, during training of my shoulder because of which I had to medically be boarded out. And I came back. Uh, and, you know, I, I was close to wasting almost two years of my career or my academic life. And I didn't know what to do next. And I think I treated that as a basic failure for me that, you know, I didn't choose the line that I wanted to. I chose a line and I didn't succeed over there. And I was back to being nowhere. That is also a very big downtime in my life. But I think uh, my school principal, who I met uh, during those days, uh, said a number of things to me. But the one typical line that I remember from it is that consider it a blessing in disguise. This gives you a chance to look for something that you're really passionate about and go out and do it. And I think it was during that time, like I said, that I was appearing for so many different examinations and exploring so many different career options that somewhere within me, I found a calling to this particular institute and that changed the direction of my entire life. So I think that the what I treated as a failure at that time of, you know, not choosing engineering as a profession or not being successful at the National Defense Academy led me uh, to choose a career, to choose a profession that I'm uh, extremely grateful for and extremely proud of. So I think that was very early in my life. If I roll it down um, much later, uh, in fact, somewhere midway after we had founded I Volunteer, uh, like I said, that the original dream was to become a monster.com or a knockery.com of the volunteering world. Basically establish a volunteering platform that would use technology to bring volunteers and nonprofits together. This was in 2002. But the failure that we had as an organization at that time was that we didn't understand where will the volunteers come from and where will the nonprofits come from. Most of the nonprofits that were registering on our platform and giving us the volunteer requirements were actually not based on metros. Whereas most of the volunteers or most of the people who were predisposed to volunteering and were coming onto our platform were actually all based in metros. Most of the volunteers in that time in 2002 were accessing internet from their offices, which meant that they were working professionals. So most of our volunteers were working professionals, whereas uh, which meant that actually they had less of time and more of skills to give. But most of our non-profits, because they were based in the uh, rural areas, they couldn't use these skills from a distance. They were not used to using internet as much. Also, there was a cultural work gap in terms of work culture. You know, businesses function very differently. And the volunteers had very different expectations. NGOs work very differently. They had very different expectations. This expectation mismatch was a huge thing. So I think the entire technology initiative in the first two years for us showed us a big dream and had a big traction in terms of getting early advantage of attracting early volunteers and early nonprofit adopters. But in the final impact, in the final outcome of making the right match and getting volunteering done on the ground, we failed. This happened in the first two years. 
And this failure led us to actually chart a different path and a different growth for the organization where we decided from our, and we learned that we need to handhold uh, the nonprofits. We need to handhold the volunteers and thus make volunteering work. So we had a lot of role to play in building the market and not just serving the market through a platform. Uh, so I think that was a very early failure for us as well. The last one for this episode is from Dorothy Ann. She has launched her own EP music album through crowdfunding. She shares her ideas on crowdfunding success. Well, my husband and I actually put together a webinar called Seven Secrets to Successful Crowdfunding. And some of the tips that we share in it are to have a good short video. A lot of people have a video that is not very concise and to the point. And so I, I would say that, you know, really work on a video that is has all the details that you need in a short amount of time. Nowadays, people's attention span is so short. So you really have to get them within the first minute or two. And you don't want to make a long 10-minute plea. Just make it a short three, not even five minutes. Just I would say three to four-minute video that's well done but has all the points that you need. You know, answer the question why. Why should people support you? You know, what's in it for them? And make sure the call to action is clear. Sometimes people say, I would appreciate you to share this on Facebook. Well, sharing is good and it's good for traction, but really, you really want to ask people, I'd appreciate it. Could you please donate towards this cause? And then, you know, of course, ask for specific amounts in the perks. And then a lot of times people put a dozen perks, like a dozen um, uh, bonuses, like if you give $50, then you get this, or if you give 100 you give this. And there's so many that they'll do, you know, a dozen perks when really five, seven perks is sufficient. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and the most popular amount, I believe, is around $50. So make sure your $50 perk is the perk that's most appealing because on average, the $50 perk is what people gravitate towards. Mm -hmm. So those are just a, a few of our of our tips. Uh, la one of the other ones is have a team. Cool. You can't do anything by yourself. I mean, you can get things started by yourself, yeah. but if you have a team of people to help you to get on board, that's really important. And you just simply reach out to people specific that you know they have a heart for you and they, they want to see you succeed. Just get them on board. These people will be the first ones to donate to you. Mm. You have to ask them before. You don't want to wait till your campaign is launched to ask people. True. You want to ask people a month or two before and have all these things lined up. So it's a lot of preparation. That's that's the key preparation for successful crowdfunding. That's all for this episode. I hope you enjoyed the best of the Inspiring Talk podcast. If you did, make sure to share this with your friends by visiting theinspiringtalk.com forward slash 4949. And if you have not yet subscribed to the show, make sure that you do. And if you have already subscribed, do leave a review on what you think about this show and hopefully give a five-star rating. Thank you so much for listening. I'll catch you in the next. Now, go out there and do something inspired.